Hello everyone, welcome back to the As of Yet Unnamed Podcast. This is episode 13, and it's going to be another installment of our head-to-head series where I pick a movie, Park picks a movie, we watch them, have a little discussion about each of them, and then at the end, uh, decide which one each of us likes better. And on this one, I'm going to be starting out with my pick for the episode, uh, which would be The Matrix. It was released in 1999. It's like an action sci-fi movie directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. It stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, and Carrie Ann Moss. And yeah, this is a movie that I feel like a lot of people are pretty familiar with. It kind of set the gold standard for action movies going into the 2000s, being that it came out right there in 1999. Lots of influential stuff in this movie. The slow-mo action scenes, bullet trails, slow-mo dodging, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was very much influenced by, like, Hong Kong cinema, like John Woo films. All the shootouts are very hectic and chaotic with lots of debris flying everywhere. And, you know, long choreographed fight scenes and everything. And overall, I think it comes together pretty well for me. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite action movies. It's one that when you go back and watch it nowadays, I feel like the impact of it's kind of been uh, lessened by just how many movies have been influenced by it now. Lots of things in this movie you've probably seen in a million other low-budget action movies. But I feel like it all comes together in this movie in a way that a lot of other movies don't. It's backed up by what I think is a pretty interesting story and lots of like interesting thematic elements like belief and identity and that kind of stuff. Overall, I just I think it's a pretty solid movie. For me, I had never actually seen The Matrix before. Having seen it now, I definitely liked it. Uh, it was uh, very good, I would say. The story was definitely pretty interesting and compelling. The action was also pretty good. Some pretty cool stuff in there, like the slow-mo and uh, like the bullet trails, showing the bullet trails and the dodging the bullets. And also with all the hand-to-hand combat stuff was really cool. Really, like, fast-paced. Yeah, sure, you can see the influence uh, this movie has had on, like, uh, more recent action movies. But uh, I think the action definitely holds up pretty well. And even, like, most of the effects hold up pretty well, I think, uh, even though it, it's from 1999. Yeah, I mean, the acting was really solid across the board. Neo is a good, like, main character, and, uh, Trinity and Morpheus also are good supporting characters. And yeah, it also all, like, wraps up in a pretty satisfying way. Yeah, overall, I really enjoy the movie, and, uh, I, I can see why it's, like, kind of a classic. And I would say, like, I don't really have any major complaints, really, but, um, I felt like, the beginning of the movie, like maybe the first thirty to forty minutes, were like, like I I don't know if slow is the right word, but it just it took a while before you kind of figured out what exactly was going on. So the beginning, I felt a little like confused, I guess, just because like we were learning what exactly was going on along with Neil. Uh, once like. You like figured everything out. They kind of started the training, Neo's training, and and then they went on like the mission. It definitely like picked up, and it was all pretty uh, entertaining. So, yeah, I feel like I think I've read before. I'm not 100 percent sure, but like this was planned as a trilogy in mind. 
So the the beginning of this, I will give you, is kind of slow. Because I, I think they're trying to set up all this stuff that will come into play later in the, the sequels. And you got to remember, too, at the time, this whole idea of, like, you know, simulation and all that, that was something new to people in 1999. You know, the idea that we're all in a simulation or whatever. So I think they were trying to really take their time explaining things so the average audience member would be able to follow it. But it does make that first act kind of drag a little bit. Just because outside of the very first scene with Trinity, uh, before the credit, credits roll, uh, there really isn't a lot of action. It's mostly just setting up Neo's character and uh, some of the elements of the world, like the Agent Smiths and everything like that. But there's not a lot of action to keep you in it at that point. It's mostly just world building. Right, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I get it because they obviously have to set up the world and, you know, the characters before it, like the action starts and stuff. Now, I also thought the guy that played Agent Smith, I think, he did a pretty good job. He was a uh, very kind of calm, uh, his like demeanor, but it, it, it was, he was definitely, he felt like a threat. He kind of came across kind of like, this cold and like almost like menacing kind of yeah it's a hugo Weaving. Um, i couldn't remember his name but yeah i feel like he did a really good job the agent smiths in the world are like a ai program that's been inserted into the matrix to like police people essentially to make sure nobody gets too out of line and i feel like his acting really came across it's like you said like this cold uh, you know, like a computer almost, very cold and uh, calculating, pretty menacing overall. As like an antagonist. Yeah. Upon rewatching it, I feel like that last—I guess it's like the last thirty minutes. That whole string of sequences, each part of it has become iconic. Like at least in my head, like the uh, the lobby shootout when they walk into the uh, the lobby of the the building where Morpheus is being held. And, you know, they're they're strapped to the nines with guns, and they have this shootout that completely destroys the entire room. Yeah. And then you go straight from that to, like, the helicopter scene where they're mowing down the, the Agent Smiths with the Gatling gun off the helicopter and then flying over the city with Morpheus and Neo dangling. Yeah. And then you go straight from that to the scene where Neo, like, realizes himself as being the one, and he, you know, stops the bullets and then fights Agent Smith, like, one-handed, essentially. I just feel like those those three strings really make that last, I guess you could call it the last act of the movie, just like really, really good in my opinion. Just how, how iconic those scenes are and how well executed as like action set pieces they are really elevates the ending of the movie. Like, I really like the ending of the first movie here. Yeah, I also really like the ending. I guess, yeah, the, I guess it's the third act. Especially the part where Neo, like, you know, realizes he's the one, I guess, and, like, very easily uh, defeats the agents, and, like, you know, he can very easily, like, fight Agent Smith, I guess, and then he, like, goes, like, inside of him and, like, blows him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah. I feel like it was a really good escalation because when Neo first comes out of the Matrix, he's training with Morpheus, and Morpheus, like, beats him pretty handedly. And then later in the movie, you see Morpheus try to face an agent, and the agent, like, easily beats Morpheus. So you're like, wow, this the agent is, like, a, a real threat, you know, because Neo couldn't even get a hit in on Morpheus, and Morpheus can't even get a hit in on the agent. 
So that's a really good payoff at the end to see him, Neo, so easily defeat the agent just to show how far he's come through over the course of the movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I feel like that was really well set up, like, seeing just throughout the movie. I will say, too, I like a lot of the themes of the movie. Just the idea of, like, belief, like, in yourself, you know, like, if you believe you are who you want to be, then essentially you will become who you want to be. Things like that, I think, are pretty interesting. I know that in more recent years, the director, the Wachowskis, they actually transitioned. They were brothers, now they're sisters. And they've come out and said that The Matrix is, when they were making it, they were making it as, like, a transgender allegory. And I think watching it now, I, I can see that definitely. I haven't actually rewatched it since I heard that. But watching it now, it makes sense. But, you know, they, like, are trapped in this world that tells them who they are, that they feel like they're somebody else, so they, they become the person they want to be. Yeah. I can definitely see that now watching it. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, going into the sequels, they expand a lot. A lot of ideas, like, uh, going into, like, almost, like, political ideas, like capitalism and stuff, uh, gets criticized pretty handedly in the sequels. And I feel like they set up some of those ideas in this movie. But, yeah, I think a lot of the theming of the movie is pretty interesting. I will bring up the one point that everybody seems to bring up is that the whole human beings as batteries thing doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> That's, like, the one glaring plot point in the movie that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you use a human as a battery? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. They have said that they were originally going to have it to be that the machines were enslaving the humans to use their brains as, like, processing power, like a CPU. But they felt like audiences wouldn't understand that in 1999. Like, only the most tech-savvy people would have understood that kind of thought process. So they changed it to batteries so that a general audience would be more understanding and be able to follow the movie. Yeah, I think using uh, people as, like, like processors definitely is, like, a cooler idea. Yeah. Makes more sense. But, I mean, I get that uh, rationale. Yeah. I also like the themes of, like, belief and, like, if you believe that you are something, you can, like, make it a reality. Because, like, in the middle, Neo, he's able to, like, bend the spoon when he's talking to that kid and he just says, like, you just believe that the spoon isn't real. Yeah. And then later in the movie, he, like, uses that again when they're, like, at, at the elevator, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, at the end, Neo basically has to believe in himself. Only after that, he's able to, like, unlock his full potential. So, yeah, that, that was a good thing. Yeah, I especially like the, the there is no spoon scene. I feel like that's really, that's a really cool scene. The kid basically tells him that, you know, you can't try to bend the spoon because that's impossible. You have to realize that there is no spoon because it's a simulation and the only thing holding him back is himself, basically. His belief that the spoon won't bend is the only thing keeping the spoon from bending. I do think it's kind of a shame just how good the first movie is because the sequels, at least in my opinion, are kind of disappointing. I feel like a lot of cool things were set up in this first movie going off the ending that could have been expanded in a much better way. I know you haven't seen the sequels. But I do also like the fact that the first movie works, like, in a bottle. Like, it manages to wrap everything up pretty well to where it, it doesn't leave you hanging to the point where you feel like you need to watch the sequels. And so I do enjoy that, that, like, the movie is really, like, tight and that everything lines up at the end. Like, they don't leave any threads hanging open or anything, really. Yeah, I agree. They definitely could have, like, ended it after this movie 
and there aren't any like plot lines that are left hanging. So it, it's pretty self-contained, I think. Yeah, it gives you just enough to think about without feeling like there needs to be more. Yeah, I also like what they did with Cipher's character. Like they have him like betray the team, try to like give up Morpheus uh, to like the machines. And then, yeah, I mean, they end up, like, killing me, but yeah. it was a good, like, subplot, I guess. Yeah, that that kind of goes back to the themes as well, that, like, the the Resistance as a group would rather live in the real world with, like, all the struggles that come along with it, whereas people like Cypher would rather live in the fake world and just be content with that, you know, being, you know, he wanted to be, like, an actor and be rich. And he 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 was content eating the fake steak, even though he knew it was it was fake. Yeah, that's also I guess another interesting theme. Would people rather live in like reality or like their own, their, like a fake, a dream where like it's not real but they're like content? Yes, yeah. I will say since we watched Dark City on the last episode, I wanted to get your opinion. A lot of people compare these movies. And I wanted to see how you felt about it, now that you've seen both of them. Yeah, at, when I was watching it, I was actually thinking about that a little bit. And I think, like, on a surface level, I can see some similarities. Because I think in their, like, sort of their feel, they are a little similar. Because there, there's definitely, like, a dystopian and maybe even, like, a noir-ish feel in both movies. Definitely at least dystopian. And also just kind of the look of both movies, I feel like was sort of similar. Just in the look of like the, some of the technology, I guess. So, like on a, I guess, superficial level, they do seem a bit similar. But I do think they're kind of different movies. Like, I think it's like you say, like this one's definitely like a sci-fi action movie. But Dark City is more like, I mean, it's not really action at all. It's like a mystery, yeah, basically like a mystery movie with a little bit of action. But uh, yeah, I would call it like mystery noir. So, I mean, I can see it. Uh, the similarities are a little bit, but I don't think it goes past like just the general feel of the movies. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like thematically, and just in terms of the way the movies are paced, like the type of movie they are, they're like pretty different. But yeah. just like the general, yeah, like you said, dystopian feel of the movies, and then like surface level plots, like the, you know, in the Matrix of Simulation and in Dark City, they're like in this uh, self contained bubble that they've been taking and put into without their yeah. knowledge. Stuff like that definitely draws similarities, but I think just in terms of like the stories that the movies are trying to tell uh, and the way they go about telling them and, you know, the things that the movies are trying to say, I think, are a lot different. Yeah, the plots, I, yeah, I can see the parallels between the plots a little bit, too. But, yeah, definitely not really the same movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think I did read, though, on Wikipedia that they were both shot on, like, the same, like, production lot or something like they were both shot in australia like the 
sand that they used for the city in Dark City was like reused for like parts in the Matrix. Really? Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the, the look of the movies is definitely similar in parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I guess I liked how at the ending scene in the credits, they used uh, Wake Up by Raging Station. <laughs> yeah. <And, laughs> kind of on the nose. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it was a good song to go out on. Yeah. That's definitely like an impactful ending. It feels like the, you know, the finale of the movie. Right. Yeah, that's my favorite Raging <laughs> the Machine song. And, I mean, Wake Up, yeah, it goes with, like, the themes of the movie. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie really nailed that, like, like 90s, like, goth alternative, like, aesthetic and feel. You know, yeah. all black and sunglasses and everything. Definitely, I think, was a huge influence on people back then that were, like, a part of those scenes and, like, how they dressed and stuff. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the way they dressed, like, uh, Neo and Trinity uh, at the end in the shootout scene with the all-black trench coats or whatever. Yeah. I, they look pretty cool. Yeah. They definitely, they got that, they got a very cool aesthetic going on for the movie. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to cap off this section of the podcast talking about scores. Right now on IMDb, The Matrix has an 8.7 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 83% on the tomato meter and an 85% audience score. And on Rachel Music, it has a 3.81 out of 5. Like I said, this is definitely a movie I really like. I, I, the first time I saw it, I was probably like, um, between like 10, 13, somewhere in there. And it really stuck with me. It's, it's been like a, a favorite movie of mine. It's definitely a movie that makes an impact if you see it at a young age like that, I feel like. And it's, just a movie I, I feel like I can like watch over and over again. And for that reason, I'm probably going to give it like a eight and a half or a nine in between somewhere in there. Nice. For me, I mean, obviously, it was, this was the first time I'd seen the movie, so it's not like something that's been with me for a while. But I definitely enjoyed it a good bit. And I would, I would probably give it around an eight, I think, or uh, maybe like a low, in the low eight range. I didn't have any major complaints with it, uh, other than, like, the beginning maybe being a little slow. But overall, like, the action is really good. Story is, like, compelling. The characters are all uh, pretty good. So, yeah, overall, a well-made movie. I can see why it has a, you know, really good reputation. Okay, so for our second movie that I picked... I chose Baby Driver, and this is a movie that came out in 2017. It was directed by Edgar Wright, who uh, you may know for directing movies like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. It has kind of a big cast. It stars Ansel Elgort, John Bernthal, John Hamm, Lily James, Kevin Spacey, and Jamie Foxx. And it's basically about the getaway driver nicknamed Baby, who uh, works for, like, a crime a kingpin. He basically works all these jobs, like, heist jobs, where he serves as the getaway driver for, like, a crew, you know, committing these, like, robberies. It's made clear that he doesn't want to be a part of this, like, criminal lifestyle, but uh, basically he's paying back his boss for when he robbed him from when he was younger. So he's kind of working for him now to, like, settle the score. 
I mean, I've seen this movie before once, and I really like it. It's just got a lot of, like, good action, I think. A lot of the, like, car chase sequences and action sequences are shot really well. It's also just got a good, like, compelling story with a bunch of, like, pretty interesting characters. Baby is, like, a solid protagonist. It's also got this, like, romance plot with Baby and this waitress, which, like, I think pretty much works. Yeah, it's got, like, Edgar Wright's signature uh, directing style with, like, a lot of kind of fast cuts and just a lot of, like, the, uh, like style, which uh, I, I like, like his directing style. For me, I really like this movie. I know it's the first time you saw it. Uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It's a movie that I had never seen before, and the only thing I really knew about it is that he spends the whole movie with his earbuds in. (laughs) But yeah, it had a really great soundtrack. I really enjoyed all the licensed music and how well it was integrated with the action. Lots of stuff that was happening on screen would be like to the beat of the song that was playing. And, you know, if he was to take his earbuds out, the music would dim, and when he puts them back in, the music comes back up. Stuff like that. I'm definitely a big fan of Edgar Wright, and like you said, this definitely has his, like, trademark stylized directing style. Like, a lot of good, like, setup and payoff, a lot of good attention to detail. Uh, one thing I really appreciated right off the bat was for the opening credits, it basically has Baby walk into a coffee store, and then back, he's just finished up one of these heists, and they're, like, splitting the money up. And the the song that's playing over the credits, you can see the lyrics in, like, the graffiti and the signage in the city as he's walking around and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Just a small detail thing that I appreciated. But, yeah, overall, I feel like the action was really good. Edgar Wright obviously has, like, an appreciation for, like, car chases. That's kind of the big thing of the movie is most of it is spent. Most of the action is spent, at least in the majority of the movie, with car chases. And it's all performed really well. It looks, you know, real. It doesn't look doesn't look like anything was too fake or set up. It looks like, you know, like it's actually happening, which is really nice. I did appreciate that they kind of subvert that in a way with, like, the climactic part of the movie where Baby kind of decides he's done, you know, helping along in this crime syndicate, and he finally decides to stop and do what he wants to do. And at that point, it turns into a foot chase which I thought was yeah. really cool. And the foot chase hits all the same beats that all the car chases have hit. Like him, like, putting his head down to avoid the cops walking along the street. Like, he puts his head down when they're driving by the cops. Them ditching a car to get in a different car. He goes into a shop and puts on different clothes. It hits all the same beats. And I thought that was kind of a really cool subversion at the climax of the film. But overall, I thought it was just really well executed. I liked a lot of the characters. And like I said, a lot of the things that are set up from Baby's backstory that kind of pay off later. Like, kind of the thing that sent him into this spiral, at least the way it seemed to me, was the death of his parents. And his parents died when they rear-ended an 18-wheeler having an argument that he was in the backseat. And then, at the climax, when he decides he's done and the guy he's working with, Jamie Foxx's character, he really doesn't like, he drives into the back of, like, a truck in order to kill him, kind of in a parallel to the way his parents died. Lots of stuff like that. I did appreciate, too, the themes of, like, like the inevitability of fate and having to, like, deal with the repercussions of what you've done. It's set up throughout the course of the movie that Baby himself is, like, a good guy at heart, and it really, like, hammers that in at the end of the film. But he still has to deal with the consequences of the lifestyle he's led 
even though maybe it wasn't necessarily his choice, he was still an accomplice and all this stuff that's happened. And at the end of the movie, he has to pay for that, you know, his part in all that. But it yeah. still ends on enough of a high note with, the, like, the love subplot and everything. that I feel like the movie wrapped up really well. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. The, uh, I really like the use of the music in the movie. Like, how it was really synced up with, like, the action. Like, uh, the beats in the songs would sync up with, like, like the car door shutting or like gunshots and stuff like that and the music itself was also pretty good i agree with you that the ending it was good because i like that he had to like like pay for like his actions and he like faced the consequences he like actually went to jail so it was good to like see him kind of like you know, repent for his actions but then you do kind of get the happy ending because you, know, you see him like like five years later, getting out of jail and, uh, you know, getting back together with like, his girlfriend. So that was good to see. It did kind of feel to me like the finale felt like a little bit rushed, maybe, because the ending, it, like a lot of things happened very quickly where like, he's like escaping with his girlfriend and then it transitions to that scene very quickly from the scene before it where she's like, fighting with John Hamm's character and then he like gets arrested and like goes to jail it shows his trial and then it shows him like getting out within like probably five to ten minutes it shows all that maybe it would have been cool to like see that see like a little more time given to that but like it wasn't a big deal I mean it was like well edited so yeah I think the way I kind of interpreted that is like he is, that doesn't matter to him, like, it just flies by, because all he wants to do is get back with his girlfriend, and he's willing to stay in jail, and go through the court process and everything, and so he, you know, does his time, and he just keeps focusing on his girlfriend, who shows a singing postcard and stuff, and so, from his perspective, that time just flies by, because he's looking forward to getting out. That makes sense. So it seems like since he maybe wasn't as opposed to going to jail and prison for his actions, that it didn't spend a lot of time dwelling on that. He just kind of got through it very quickly. I do agree, though, it's kind of whiplash going from this big climactic fight to, you know, arrest, court, prison, getting out five years later, all within the span of like five minutes. It is kind of a whiplash effect. But yeah, it did, that, that, that really didn't bother me all that much. Yeah. Yeah, I overall, I, I think this is a, a great movie. Like, I really like it. Just to like point out like some of my, I guess like just some of the flaws I saw. Like none of these are that big, really. They're just stuff I noticed. Like uh, that was one thing. And then I feel like I, I mean, I really like his relationship with like his girlfriend, the the waitress that he meets. Like they had really good chemistry. I thought. I feel like realistically if like she found out about like you know that he was involved in like some kind of shady business uh like she eventually finds out like she would probably choose to just like end things there like in a like uh, the real world yeah. i guess yeah it, it did seem kind of fantastical because the only thing they really don't spend a lot of time on them as a couple like, you get the feeling that, you know, they're falling in love or whatever, but not a lot of the movie in the grand scheme of things really spends time on their relationship developing. Right. And the only real thing that, like, sets up the fact that she's willing to just drop everything 
and leave with him after she learns that he's been a getaway driver and been involved in all these crimes and killings and everything. The only thing that really sets that up is she, there's like a line about how like her mother died and she doesn't have anything really left tying her to where she's at. And that's just like one line of dialogue, like early in the movie. Yeah. And that did seem kind of weird to me. I, I honestly expected him to drive to the diner to meet her, to run away together, and her to not go with him. That's what I was expecting to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it did feel a little fantastical, but it didn't really take me out of it too much. Yeah. yeah that's just me kind of like, kind of analyzing it for its like realism. And it, it's definitely like, I like them together, and uh, overall, you know, I like their relationship. So. Just the third thing I, uh, I noticed was at one point he goes to his boss for help, his like former boss who's played by Kevin Spacey. Like this is after he like messes up the heist, basically kills one of the other members of the group. So his boss, I mean, is event, uh, initially like, I mean, I'm not going to help you. Like, why would I help you? But then he, like, very quickly changes his mind and is like, okay, here's, like, some weapons. and uh, A bunch you, of money. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you you know, you need to run right now. Don't look back. Like, he was like, I was in love once. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's, like, shooting cops and he's like, run. Yeah. And it just seemed like a little side and out of character. Yeah. That, that really didn't fit the boss's character at all and kind of came out of nowhere. And again, kind of like the girlfriend, I was expecting him to go to his boss, and the boss to be like, no, I'm not helping you. And then maybe for them to get in some kind of fight. Yeah. But instead, the boss is just like, no, actually, yeah, here, I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All um, right. Well. Fine. I'll go sacrifice myself so you can get away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a really good movie, but it's kind of a shame that Kevin Spacey's in it. Because all the <laughs> stuff that's come out about him, he's a real yeah. piece of shit. And I really don't like him yeah. seeing him yeah. in anything. But, I mean, his right. character is made out to be unlikable, so it kind of works. That's true, yeah. yeah. I think this was probably one of the last movies before like all of that came out. Yeah. That he was in. But, yeah, I, honestly, he's, like, a pretty good actor. But, yeah, as a person, he's definitely, like, he kind of yeah. sucks. It's one of those things where, like, I'll admit that he's a good actor, but just seeing him nowadays takes me out of it. I'm like, oh, that's Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Like, I don't see him as the character he's portraying in a way that I might have beforehand. Yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Should have just cast someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned those things, but I do really like this movie. Like, I don't have any major complaints with it. Uh, I think everything, like, for the most part, everything works. You know, the story is really good. The car chase scenes are really good. The romance is, like, really good. The characters are all, like, you know, well-acted and compelling. Jamie Foxx's character and uh, John John Hamm's character, they're, like, other members of uh, group babyism, and they're like, kind of, like, antagonists to baby, and they, they were, like, entertaining characters. So. I would say, if I had to pick out some things, it, it is a good movie. If I, if I was going to pick some things to mention that I didn't like, like I said, I feel like the romance was a little... Uh, I don't know if underdeveloped is quite the right word because you do buy into the, the romance. It's just not, like I said, not a lot of time is spent on it, which kind of makes it a little less believable, especially in that moment, like you said, where she decides to run off with him. 
Other than that, I didn't really find the plot itself super like, original or compelling. Just like a guy in over his head with the crime boss. I feel like the characters themselves do a lot to make up for that and kind of lift the plot up. But as far as just the bare bones plot itself, I really didn't find it all that interesting. Definitely the highlight of the movie for me would be the action in particular, like the the car scene, car chase scenes, and the use of the music to like sync everything up. That definitely gives the movie like a unique identity, having action shot in that way. But other than that, I feel like it was a good movie. Definitely very well paced, didn't drag or anything, very, very fast and tight. But yeah, yeah, just overall pretty enjoyable. I don't think it's, it's, I definitely don't think it's my favorite Edgar Wright movie, but oh, it is definitely a Edgar Wright movie. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I really, yeah, I think the pacing again was really good. I agree. Uh, you mentioned, I didn't notice that, but I did like uh, the callbacks to like earlier events, like you mentioned the, 18 wheeler that he like ran the car into calling back to like his mom's that that uh yeah that stuff was cool i mean for me actually i think i have seen most of edgar wright's movies i haven't seen the newest one which was like last night in soho yeah i actually really like that one. Oh, really you seen it? honestly out of the ones i've seen this either like this one or hot fuzz is probably my favorite uh yeah I definitely like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz more than this. And I might even... I, I haven't watched Last Night in Soho since it came out. But uh, just going off my memory, I think I liked it more than this. Although it's definitely a different different feel. It's not an action. It's more of a thriller, horror, mystery kind of movie. Uh, with some supernatural elements. I definitely liked it better than At World's End. I feel oh, like yeah. that might be his weakest yeah, out I of what so I've too. seen. Overall, it was enjoyable. None of his He doesn't have any bad movies that I've seen. Yeah, but out of the ones I've seen, probably I'd probably put it like third or fourth, depending on if I, if I rewatched last night. So what I thought about that? Yeah, he he directed Scott Pilgrim too. I kind of like kind of forget about that one. Yeah, I haven't actually <laughs> seen that one. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a fun movie. Really, I mean, I recommend it to anyone who like likes action. I guess. It's it's like a pretty appealing movie, I think, to the general audience. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I really like the car scenes, the car chase scenes in the movies. I just like, I think I just like cars in general. <laughs> and so, you know, I just like seeing fast cars and car chases. Yeah, so. yeah. I did think it was interesting how typically when you think of like crime, action, heist movies like this, that typically the car chase is like the climax of the movie, and this movie instead spends most of the action focusing on car chases, and then the climax is a foot chase. I thought that was kind of a cool twist on like the typical formula for a movie like this. Yeah. I don't think I'm quite as into that as maybe you are. Like, I found the foot chase way more compelling, at least in the context of this movie, than the car chases. Like I said, just how it mirrored the car chases so well and everything, I thought it was more, I was definitely more into that sequence than the car chases. Even though the car chases were also really well done. Yeah. I really like the foot chase too, though. You know, it was just like, well, like, well shot. 
And he, he was running. You know? <laughs> he, <laughs> Doing his best Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, he really was, yeah. And like him going into the store and like getting the disguise and stuff, that was cool. It was an interesting subversion where most of the action scenes were car chase scenes and that one scene was a foot chase scene. Yeah. As far as like the final act, I did feel a little like disbelief at John Hamm's character surviving that long. Oh, like yeah. I thought for sure he was dead like twice. <laughs> and then he came back and I was like, Really? How did he get out of the last situation? Like, that's a good movie. How did he get out of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. It made it really fulfilling when Baby finally got rid of him and he was dead for good. But he almost like turned into the Terminator at the end. Like he was just, <laughs> uh, just coming, and he would not stop. Nothing was going to stop him. And I guess they kind of set that up with some dialogue between him and his girlfriend. She was like, "Well, when, when he sees red, <laughs> the only thing you'll see is black." Was, yeah. you know, okay. And then like the car he's in has the red light. And so, uh, <laughs> that that's a little cheesy and on the nose, but um, yeah, mostly just kind of minor stuff that took me out of it more than anything. Overall, I think the movie's just pretty well done. Yeah, that's true. At the end, John Hamm's character, uh, the car he's in, like goes off of like a one of the levels on like a parking garage and drops like fifty feet or something. It's like four four stories or something. Yeah, and he's like. <laughs> in the car in the driver's seat and then suddenly like you see he got out and he's like standing pointing a gun at baby yeah like it's uh, like <laughs> it shows the car going over the edge and as it's falling it shows a shot of him opening the driver's door and then within like 10 seconds he's standing with the gun drawn to baby's head like how did baby yeah. not see him yeah how would he not see him <laughs> yeah but yeah it was all just in the service of like I said I think having that that fulfilling end to his character once he's finally killed yeah and just showing how how driven he is to you know cause harm to baby since he sees baby as the person that took away, you know, his love of his life or whatever. Mm -hmm. I also want to point out, I really like Jamie Foxx's character's death. He gets, like, impaled by a rebar. Like, it yeah. just crazy and cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a good death. And like I said, the way it, like, paralleled his mother, like, his mother's death sent him down this life, and then he kills Jamie Foxx, who is arguably like one of the worst quote unquote characters in the movie. Yeah, like he's the most easily disliked character in the whole movie. I feel. Yeah, and you know the the start of him taking control of his life back is by killing Jamie Foxx's character in the way that parallels his mother's death. I thought that was like a nice bit of writing. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay, so we're gonna wrap up with giving the scores for Baby Driver on the different sites. So on IMDb, it has a 7.6 out of 10. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 92% tomato meter and 86% item score. And on Radio Music, it has a 3.43 out of 5. I guess we can give our ratings. For me, I think this is like this really great movie. It has some like, you know, things you can pick apart and you know, minor flaws, mostly, I guess, with, like, concerning its, like, realism. <laughs> a 
overall, I like really like it, and I would give it like probably like an eight point four out of ten. I would say it's probably along with Hot Fuzz, my favorite Edgar movie. So, what about you? For me, if I was gonna give it a score, I'd probably say seven point five. Like I said, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz for me are probably like eight and a half to nine. I, mean, I really like those movies a lot. This one. I don't feel as nearly as strong. Still very good. Definitely worth watching. But yeah, I'd probably put it solidly around like seven and a half out of ten. I got you. That's good. <laughs> so between the Matrix and Baby Driver, personally, I would say I like Baby Driver a little bit more. Like it's not, it's not like a big difference. I think they're both great movies that like people should watch, but. I guess I just like kind of the like stylized aspect of the action in in Baby Driver. Also, I just I really kind of like the the story in Baby Driver a lot, even though it's pretty. It's nothing crazy. It's pretty straightforward. Like stuff like that's been done before, where a guy's like in over his head and like you know a criminal. But it's just done really well. I think I also like. The characters a lot in Baby Driver. The Matrix also like is very good, uh, great plot and great action stuff. But yeah, I guess just personally, I think I like Baby Driver just like a little more. But uh, yeah, again, they're both like you know eight out of ten plus movies in my opinion. But for me, I definitely prefer the Matrix. I think Baby Driver definitely has some things that it does better than the Matrix, like uh, the editing and the music. Uh, choices and the way the editing and music is used in Baby Driver is really cool and unique. But as far as like the plot and the characters and uh, the action, I think I prefer The Matrix. Just the whole aesthetic and style of The Matrix, I feel like will stand out in my mind. I mean, it has stood out in my mind for a long time. <laughs> Whereas with the Baby Driver, I feel like the one thing that's going to stand out in my mind will be the music and the editing. And the fact that he always has zero butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just feel like in the Matrix, there's a lot more there for me to like latch onto, especially with like the actual plot itself. I feel like the plot in the Matrix is a lot stronger than the plot in Baby Driver. If you're just going to compare, you know, the, the stories uh, mm -hmm. without taking into account like the characters and everything, um, mm -hmm. I just found the Matrix way more interesting, and I. I like the way that the gunfights in The Matrix were done compared to Baby Driver. I prefer the gun, the shootouts in The Matrix. Like, I don't think, at least on first viewing for me in Baby Driver, there's nothing as iconic as, like, the, the lobby shootout in The Matrix. Like, that's just an iconic action scene for me. And yeah. I haven't, I, there was nothing in Baby Driver that stood out that much to me. So I'll def, I would definitely give it to The Matrix. But like I said, Baby Driver is also good and definitely worth watching. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely think The Matrix is like, I mean, clearly it's the more iconic movie. And I think it'll be the more like timeless movie, you know, 10 years from now or even now, like more people like probably have seen The Matrix than Baby Driver. And, you know, generally it's probably regarded in like higher esteem. Um, which, you know, I get, you know, it's definitely more influential and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense what you say. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Head to Head on uh, episode 13 of the As of Yet Unnamed podcast. 
Uh, we're going to try to come back at you again with another episode like this, probably. We've been having a lot of fun watching movies and talking about it and stuff. And since Halloween's coming up, we're probably going to try to do a horror-themed episode, I, I think. That's the plan yeah. right now. Yeah. So that should be fun. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, stay chill. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you next time.